Chapter 84 Al-Inshikaq The Bursting Open When the Sky Bursts Open This chapter is divided into three sections to address the change, transformation, gradual maturation, and realization or fulfillment of three separate entities, the sky, humans, and nature. Its first part discusses the separation of the galaxy's parts. The particle Ida refers to an indeterminate future when the sky will burst open. The word Sama refers to all that is above us, such as the stars, the sun, and the moon. Notice that the verb Inshakat denotes the readiness of the root verb's properties suggests that the sky will one day be prepared to accept separation and being torn or split into pieces, in other words, the end of its life, and gives permission to her Lord to be actualized. The literal translation is, the sky gives permission to the Lord to be split. A subordinate's permission means to announce its preparedness to a higher authority which is abiding by the prescribed rules. For example, a ripe apple lets us know that it is ready to be separated by its outer appearance, e.g. color, fragrance, and the ease with which it can be picked. Obviously, this permission is not granted verbally, but by manifesting its inner reality via its appearance. This verse relates that our solar system will eventually enter a phase and announce its readiness to separate because its potentiality has been actualized. At that time, the sun will no longer be able to convert helium to hydrogen because its inner reservoir of helium has been exhausted and thus is fully prepared to accept a transformation. When Earth is stretched out Earth will be stretched out, and the stars will be ready to separate. When the gravitational forces governing them are perturbed, they will fall into chaos. The verb mudda, from the root mim dal dal, and midad, pattern or style, is from the same root because it is used to sketch on a piece of paper and its effect is spread, and casts out what is in it, emptying itself. In that magnificent explosion, earth will empty all of its contents, mountains will scatter into the atmosphere like fluffed-up cotton, and everything will experience a tremendous change and gives permission to her Lord to be actualized. Earth, which is subordinate to the same general law that governs the universe, announces its readiness to the Lord and gives permission for itself to be transformed. After that, the metamorphosis will occur. This chapter's first part explains the general law governing the world, and reveals that all phenomena must experience continual growth until it becomes fully matured. 
only God knows what the fate of the Sun and the Milky Way galaxy will be once the current natural order is destroyed. When reflecting upon this, remember that the Quran was revealed only to provide us a glimpse of what is coming, as opposed to scientific knowledge, so that we may not become infatuated with this mortal and temporary world. O human being, you are surely toiling laboriously toward your Lord, and you will meet Liqa, him. The chapter's second part deals with the transition and metamorphosis that humanity will undergo. This verse addresses humanity in general, and the particle inna is used to emphasize that the human race is earnestly striving on a continuous basis with incremental progress toward its Lord, ila rabbika, similar to the incremental progress of the fetus from conception to birth. This world is the womb in which we gradually attain the maturity and realization necessary for accomplishing those tasks that will prepare us for the next stage, the hereafter. The verse uses Lord instead of God because the former term indicates God's planner and sustainer aspects. This tells us that we are journeying towards spiritual perfection on a path that the Lord has destined us to tread. The word Kadah comes from the root meaning to toil, exert, and make every effort to carry out a task. It denotes a challenging condition that requires one to work hard to resolve a difficult situation as well as to transform something bad into something good. The last part of this verse, and you will meet him, Lecha, indicates that one day we will meet the Lord. But we can never see and meet God at some location because God is not an object that can be physically perceived. One can only see and understand His creative power or realize His mercy, generosity, and grace. Furthermore, the verse does not say that we will meet God later on. Rather, we meet Him by actualizing our godly aspect with every step that we take. Those who seek closeness to God and constantly move toward Him are actualizing their godly aspect, therefore meeting God. The point is that our lives here are not independent of the hereafter. Rather, we shape our fate as we go about our daily lives. As for one who is given his book of record on his right hand, we should remind ourselves that the Quran invokes metaphors to elucidate the reality of that which is beyond human speech and comprehension. So what does book mean here? The previous section discussed the potentialities that people either have or should have actualized. In other words, its book is its own being. The Quran uses book because a book explains the history of a person or a thing. Such metaphors were necessary 
because the Prophet's people were largely illiterate and certainly had no concept of a print industry. According to this verse, receiving one's book in the right hand signifies an auspicious occasion. The logic here is that our right hand is usually stronger than our left one because we often use it to perform important tasks. This metaphor indicates happiness. Otherwise, as stated before, our deeds have a lasting effect on our whole being. He will be reckoned with an easy reckoning. Those who receive their record in their right hand will sail through this otherwise difficult situation, just like hard-working students who have fully prepared themselves will do well on their test and easily pass the course, and will return to his people in joy. Feeling transformed, they will join their own people, those who are like-minded and work with them. In other words, they are of the same mold, subscribe to the same lifestyle and engage in similar deeds. But as for the one who is given his book of record behind his back, in contrast, those who receive their book from behind are in a dire situation, for behind clearly denotes a backward and retrogressive lifestyle that is out of sync with human nature. As we can see, the Quran uses colloquial language to explain these interpretations. He will call out for destruction. Such people will wish that they were dead on that day and will burn in the blazing fire. They will be cast upon the blazing fire created by their own deeds. For indeed, he lived joyfully among his people. They did not heed these words and happily associated with similar people while on earth. He assumed that he would never return to his Lord. They never believed that such a transformation would occur. The verb yahuru comes from the root that implies change and alteration. For example, the word used to describe the transformation of a silkworm into a butterfly comes from the same root and denotes a change toward goodness, purification, and perfection. These two verses describe the state of those who believed that the sole purpose of their life was to enjoy it to the fullest and could not imagine that their lives were exposed to a profound transformation. Indeed he will. His Lord was always watching him. Notice that the verse uses Lord instead of God because it is recounting God's lordship and therefore addressing his role as planner and manager as opposed to his divinity. It does not state that God is casting them into the fire because he saw their deeds, but that God actually sees and knows whatever they do. We are in the presence of the living and self-existent God, the overseer of all transformations and transitions in the world. We are constantly in contact with the all-seeing, 
the one who endowed us with the potentialities that we have failed to see and actualize. This is the message of the chapter's second part. The law that governs all natural phenomena also applies to human beings, all of whom are on an arduous journey toward God. Each step they take toward Him enables them to attain a higher station of His knowledge and blessing. I swear by the twilight. Third part of this chapter begins discussing the transformation and transition of the third entity, nature. La uqsimu. I swear, indeed. For the particle la makes the assertion more emphatic and solemn. Here, God avows an oath to sunset. We might think that all moments in a 24-hour cycle have the same importance. However, sometimes the Quran mentions a specific time. Shafaq, Arabic, is the sun's glow of redness in the horizon after sunset. During noontime, it shines vertically. However, in the evening, it sinks lower in the sky and appears red. This signifies the arrival of the evening's darkness and the transition and change in our surrounding environment at that moment. The sunset reminds us that another day of life is coming to a close, just as all phenomena in nature have a beginning and an end. By the night and what it enshrouds Sunset denotes that light is disappearing and that darkness is approaching. Some speculate that this verse points out that the day's activities are ending and that slowly calmness will prevail. Once again, we are reminded of transitions that occur in our surrounding environment. By the full moon the moon rises after sunset and cycles through its phases, beginning as a sliver and reaching a full moon on the fourteenth night. Once again, these reminders of the gradual transitions prove that our world is neither stationary nor static, but is in the process of constant transformation towards perfection. The Quran tells us to pay attention to these ongoing transitions in our surrounding environment and realize that this world is constantly moving. Humans should reflect upon this fact and understand that they are also moving toward their Lord. You will certainly ascend from one level to another. The purpose of invoking the above oaths is stated here. Human beings should note that they are either moving upward toward God or downward, away from God, during their life journey, just as students do during their academic career. In our opinion, the inference here is to a general principle. People will be rewarded both according to and in proportion to their deeds. For everyone is assigned a rank according to their deeds. Chapter 6, verse 132. On that day, 
an exorbitant number of people will deeply regret their failure to apply themselves more eagerly to attaining higher stages of spiritual development. Regretfully, most people neither understand nor appreciate life's purpose and thereby miss the point that one must do more than just the minimum to avoid ending up in hell. This is not about ending up in paradise or hell, but about attaining higher stages of human development. So what, then, is the matter with them that they do not believe? Why don't humans become believers? Why don't they believe these words? Why can't they understand the fleeting nature of this world? Why, when the Quran is recited to them, do they not prostrate? What does this verse mean? Do we prostrate when we read the Quran? The verse addresses unbelievers, who neither pray nor prostrate. Furthermore, the Quran asserts that all creatures of this world, without exception, prostrate either willingly or unwillingly before God. Chapter 13, verse 15. In another passage, the Quran states that trees and stars prostrate before him. Chapter 55, verse 6. So what does the Quran mean by prostrate? For example, when it says that God commanded the angels who are not material beings and thus cannot put their forehead on the ground to prostrate before humans, does it mean that God wanted them to literally do so? The Quran questions why people do not prostrate when they are informed of their future and fate. Why do they not join the universal movement? a movement in which everyone and everything is journeying toward, the destination that God has determined for them. Even after they have been made aware of these truths, why do they still refuse to rise and join it? Instead, the unbelievers reject it, the Quran and or the Prophet's message. The problem is not with the divine signs but rather with those who choose not to see the truths due to their active denial of them. Kufr means to cover or conceal. In chapter 83, God says that the unbelievers' evil deeds have tarnished their hearts so much that they can neither see nor perceive the light, for their hearts are covered with rust. Just like a muddy mirror, that can no longer reflect light. Disbelievers do not reject these truths with words, but through their refusal to even consider joining this path and participating in this universal prostration. God has full knowledge of what they conceal. The word yu'una comes from the root meaning a container or a receptacle, such as a glass or an ear. Ears are like containers that can hold the truth. Those who give an ear are willing to listen to and can hear the truth. But does that mean that they can actually accept it? A person's heart is also a receptacle. 
because it is a treasure trove of secrets and wisdom. Finally, our whole being resembles a container. This verse says that God is aware of all of the choices that we will ever make, and we are responsible for our deeds. So, give them the good news of a very painful punishment. What consequences will these non-joiners face? Nothing but acute pain, suffering, and torment. Except those who keep the faith and perform righteous deeds, for them shall be an unending reward. Those who believe this truth and join this universal movement by doing good deeds will reap the benefit of their actions. As everything with God is infinite, these people will receive ever-flowing rewards. The journey toward God does not end, and the reward received depends upon the effort invested. This chapter's discussion pivots around movement, transformation, and transition. Our book of existence is the sum total of all that we have voluntarily obtained and realized in this life, which has been recorded and inscribed in our beings. In short, it is the personification of our lives.